God, I pray that uh, we would just believe that truth, Lord, that, and that we would have contentment, not in our circumstances on this earth, God, but that we would have contentment and satisfaction in, in our relationship with you, Lord. I, I pray for the message this morning, God, and for Pastor Chris, that he would speak with boldness and that, that we would be uh, listening for what you have to teach us, God. Thank you for this church and for your son. In your name I pray, amen. And another hand for a great job. I want to ask our young people to stand one more time. Would y'all so we can recognize y'all? Probably throughout the sermon, I'm going to have them do this just to keep them awake. They've had a busy weekend. Let's give them a hand for what a great group. You may be seated. Well, it is great to see you all. If you're watching or worshiping online, thank you for joining us today, too. When I was a junior in college, about three years ago, I, uh, I could have been, you never know. I was, uh, was going to be a football coach, but I was getting a chance to speak and to, to go to different places and share about Jesus. And I'd been asked on a Valentine's Day to go to a, a rural place in, in West Tennessee, near the Tennessee River, to speak and I spoke on love. I spoke out of 1 Corinthians 13, what, where I'm going to be today if you have a Bible and you want to go ahead and find it. And after it was over, I remember a guy came up. I, he, he may have been drinking, I don't know. But he was, uh, you know, a little bit of a smart aleck. And he asked somebody, what did he talk on? And the guy, you know, looked at me and goes, what is love? What is love? You know, trying to be philosophical or, or whatever. And I said, well, and I, I said, it's patient, it's kind, it's good. I started telling him what 1 Corinthians 13 says. And we, we've been in a series for about five weeks titled, I Want to Know What Love Is. We're concluding that today in this 1 Corinthians 13 passage, and it really lays out honestly and clearly some things that love is. When you're a loving person, this is how you will be. If you're not a Christian, I want to tell you, a lot of what you see in religion is disgusting. Something that turned me off as a young Christian was being around Christians. And then I realized that our church people, that's not how it's supposed to be. Real Christianity is a beautiful thing and a wonderful thing. So this is how we're supposed to be. If you profess to be a Christian, this is not optional things this morning. This is how you and I are supposed to be. And I want to begin with this. Loving people dis display great qualities. When, you, when Jesus lives in you and he's living out of you, there are great qualities that come out. Love is not, I know romantic love can be subjective, but real love that God's talking about here is not subjective. It, it is clear. Now, the book of Corinthians was written to the church in Corinth, ironically, right? And it was written about AD 55. This is probably 30, 20 years after the death, resurrection of Christ, somewhere in there. The church is five years old. It's already done a lot of great things, and it's already in a mess. Corinth was a wealthy place, uh, an intellectual place, similar to Ruston in those areas. The church was wealthy. It was intellectual. They had a lot of good qualities, but man, they were fighting. They were prideful about their spiritual gifts of being able to preach or teach or having knowledge or speaking in tongues. They, they were fighting. There was immorality and sexual stuff going on in the church. It was just bad, bad. And, and so in this book, he's trying to address a lot of that. And many scholars believe the greatest words God ever wrote through Paul is in 1 Corinthians 13, where he basically says to them and to you and me, your people problems and my people problems can be solved as far as it 
depends on us. If we will get right with God and let God live out of us and we'll love people. You can't control other people. But a lot of your people problems and mine, from our perspective, they'll all be solved when we will be right with Christ and we will love people as we should. Beautiful qualities. We're going to start in verse 6. And I want to begin with this. Loving people delight in the good, not in the bad. They delight when good happens, not in the bad. If you're taking notes, uh, these are interesting things to write down. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices in the truth. The word delight means to rejoice or to cheer. You're going to rejoice and cheer today at some point if you're watching the Super Bowl, probably. But it doesn't delight in evil. The, evil, the word evil means sin. It means what ought not to be. I don't want you to look at others this morning. I want us to examine ourselves, okay? Don't say, well, here, so-and-so's failing me here, so-and-so's failing me here. Examine yourself. Do you get excited when people you don't like mess up? I got one no. Amen. Thank you. When somebody that you got a problem with, if, if you know, they, they get exposed, they get fired, they, 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 they split the britches, they mess up their marriage, do you, you know, are you like secret? Like, oh, that's, that's good, that's good. If you do, and if I do, the Bible says something's wrong with us. The Greeks called this malignant joy. A malignancy is something growing inside of you, we think of, that's dangerous and poisonous and that spreads. And, and when you and I, when we get excited and happy when other people mess up and ruin their lives and they fail and they fall, that is a malignant joy. It may be normal, it may be who we are in our natural self, but I want to tell you, if you say you're right with Christ, that's not who we're supposed to be. He says, love does not delight in evil, but look what he says, but rejoices with the truth. The word rejoice means to be glad with and to, to rejoice with. The word truth is the opposite of error. It's integrity, it's what's right. In other words, when you love people, check yourself, you are happy and excited when things good happen to them, not bad. I want you to think about the people you know you love, okay? I'll use my wife. I got my daughter over here. I got a granddaughter over here, a granddaughter in the children's building over there. You know what? It does not bring me joy when something bad happens to them. It does not make me happy when my kids did something dumb and it cost me a lot of money, Right? Or when they did something dumb and hurt them. You know why? Because I love them. And when they have success and when they succeed, it excites me. You know why? Because I love them. See, Christianity is about moving beyond your forward no more and out to the world. When you love people, it's not about how much Bible you can quote. It's how much love you give. The Optimist Creed, the Optimist used to be a, an organization, still may be in some places like the Lions Club or the Rotary's Club. Part of their creed says, I will be as happy about the success of others as I am my own. Do you delight when people who you don't like struggle or fall or falter? Maybe normal, but it's wrong. This may be very hard, but it can only be done by, with God's help, but it can be done with God's help. When we love people, we rejoice when they succeed. 
Proverbs 24, verse 17 and 18. We're going to put them on the screen. These are profound verses. I'm so glad this is in the Bible because it's almost weird. Do not gloat when your enemy falls. When they stumble, do not let your heart rejoice. Or the Lord will see and disapprove and turn his wrath away from you. Here's what the Bible's saying. When your enemy's getting it put on them and you get happy, God may see that you're happy and stop punishing them. If you want God to continue to punish your enemies, don't rejoice. Did you get that? (laughs) I didn't write it. Hey, if you love people, if you love people, you rejoice when good happens. Positive happens, not when the bad. Here's the second thing, and man, I really like this. Loving people are protectors. They're protectors. In verse 7, the word always is used four times. Always means always. These are present tense verbs. They're active verbs. We're going to see protects and hopes these things. So in other words, God's saying this should be who you and I are in Jesus and should be who we are all the time. Love protects. Now, depending on your translation, verse 7, it may use a different word there. I'm reading out the New International Version today. Protects is a great translation of it. And here's what that means. It means to roof over or to cover. How many of you like having a roof? Raise your hand if you have a brain. You like having a roof. If you didn't have a roof this morning, and when I got up, it was 26. By the time I left, it was 24. You know, without a roof, that's pretty chilly in the house, isn't it? That's pretty chilly. Without a roof, especially where I live, you have possums in the bed with you. (laughs) You have squirrels in the bed with you. When it rains, you're just out of luck, aren't you? It rains a lot in Louisiana. You have limbs in the house. Roofs protect us. It's the picture of a ship protecting you. You know, you you and I don't think about this much, but when you're in the water, a boat or a ship protects you, doesn't it? It protects you from the water, protects you from drowning. If you're in the ocean, it protects you from sharks. I've been on one cruise. I know a lot of people who've been on cruises. I have never heard of someone was on the fourth floor of the cruise ship in their cabin, and a great white came jumped on the boat, went up the staircase, broke into their suite, and attacked them. I've never heard about that. The boat protects you from sharks. Somebody say amen. Amen. Yeah, you're going to go to the beach this summer, and you're going to see a fin. You're going to walk on water. You, Jesus, and Peter, aren't you? (laughs) True story. In June of 2019, a, a young girl named Paige and her dad, Charlie, were out swimming, and a shark attacked her it bit down on her leg and was not letting go it would have killed her but her dad attacked the shark folks you are drunk crazy or you love somebody to attack a shark right he hit the shark five times on the snout Josh and it finally let her go and she survived they got her to the hospital they had to amputate part of her leg because it was so damaged she lost some fingers three days later she's in great spirits they're interviewing yeah I'm doing great and here's what she says oh don't be mad at the shark they're good people let me tell you a couple of things there sharks aren't people right and sharks aren't Christians write that in your notes I love animals but I get frustrated when somebody gets bit by a rattlesnake and I say oh don't be mad at the snake it didn't mean to bite you you're crazy yes it meant to bite you you came near it messed with it boom it's going to hammer you snakes and sharks will not be in heaven (laughs) 
I hope. Or they'll be Christianized, maybe. We'll be able to, you know, pet them and all. But you attack a shark because it's hurting somebody you love. Men, you go home today and you think about, you're married or you got a girlfriend, whatever. You go home and, and you're, you're taking your girlfriend to her house, whatever. And, and there's a, you think there's a burglar in the house? Don't send her in first. Hey, Cindy, go on in there, baby. We got life insurance. <laughs> I'll come in after the fourth gunshot. No, you protect your wife, don't you? I hope your girlfriend, you protect them. Dudes, protect your girlfriend. They don't want to date some guy that won't protect them. You protect them. But protection is more than just physical. When you love someone, you protect their name. You protect their reputation. You don't sit and let someone get slandered and torn up if you love them. I've heard this a thousand times. Well, I was in a meeting, and they were, they were really talking about this person. And I'm not talking about constructive, trying to figure something out and fix something. I mean, like, they were just destroyed them. Well, did you say anything? No, I didn't say anything. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't, you know, attack them, but I didn't defend them. Why? Why? I don't know why this is true, but I, in my experience as a pastor and, and knowing other business people, when there's trouble, the people who've got a burr in their saddle are pretty quick to speak up. The ornery people will, will jump up and, and get with it. And the good people sit on their hands like meek little lambs. And so many times, they'll come up later and go, well, you know, I'm, I'm supporting you, and I'm with you, and I was going to say something. Well, why didn't you? Why didn't you? I don't know who said this originally. Could have been you. Could have been me. It's, it's so true. It's not the attack of the enemies, your enemies that hurts the most. It's that your friends didn't say or do anything to defend you. Amen. Hey, man, girls, boys, love protects I just use my family again. I'm going to protect them. It's okay for me to talk about my daughter. It's not okay for you to, right? I mean, you, you, you protect them if you love them. Love protects. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. Not only that, here's the third thing. Love, love believes and trusts. It trusts and it believes in people. It always protects, always again, always trusts, ongoing the word trust means to give credit to, to have faith in. Now, I, again, I want you to look at yourself, not, not people who are hurting you, but obviously there's people who, who can spoil our trust in them, and it may take a long time to gain that back. Obviously, there's people who can spoil our ability to believe in them, and it can take a while to get back. But God's saying the norm for people who love people is you trust them. You're going to believe in them. You're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Again, our natural self is we're skeptical and we're suspicious. What God's saying, man, when you love people, you do want to give them the benefit of the doubt. You do want to trust them. You do want to believe in them. And again, people you love, you do. Thomas Edison, one of the great inventors of all time, we're enjoying lights and heat today in large part to people like that guy's work. When they made the first incandescent light bulb, the light bulbs we have all around our houses, it took hundreds and hundreds of hours. It took tons of men and women working in laboratories to do it. They created one. They created one. He gave it to one of his assistants and told him to take it upstairs on the next third floor 
to, to a laboratory, the guy dropped it. Okay, I drop a light bulb today. I blame it on the dog, and I tell my wife to sweep it up, and she doesn't, but I do. And I just get another light bulb, right? They had to go back to the lab and spend hundreds of hours doing that again. Hundreds of men hours, man hours doing that. Finally, weeks later, they get the next one done. The group's in the meeting room. Edison takes the light bulb, gives it to the same guy, and says, go ahead and take it upstairs for us. That had to change that guy's life. It certainly re-established re him with all of his peers. It was Thomas Edison who was great in his own day saying, hey, you messed up, but you know what? I still believe in you. You can be skeptical. You can be suspicious. You cannot trust people. Some give you the reason not to. Oftentimes they don't. Some people just aren't going to trust. They're going to be suspicious towards everybody that's not in their little, little tiny group. Okay. I can tell you one thing that's not, it's not love. When you love people, you believe in them. You trust in them. Here's the next thing he says. Love is optimistic. Loving people are optimistic. This, it's specifically defined here. But it's wonderful. It, love always protects, always trusts, it always hopes. The word hope there means to expect with desire. It's a trust and a hope for good fortune. Here it's talking about with people. When you love people, you look for the best, you want the best, and you see the best. That's why some parents think little Johnny or little John Etta, whatever, never do any wrong, right? It, you know, that's probably not right, but it's love, isn't it? it, it it's love for sure. Now, again, I know people can mess that up where it's hard to tr trust them or have that hope in them. But man, listen, when, when you love people, your default position is, is optimistic about what they can do and what they can be. It's not pessimistic. Charles Allen was a great Methodist preacher years ago, and he had a lot of good quotes, but here's one thing he said. He said, when you look at another human being and you say there's no hope for that person at all, you are slandering the name of God. God's a God of hope. God's a God of transformation. Somebody in your world needs you to love them, to believe in them, and to see the best in them. And when you love people, again, they can be burned. I understand individuals can burn and ruin that. But overall, man, we are, we are looking for the best, seeing the best, and wanting the best. Here's a way we can tell marriages are in trouble when they start losing hope. This isn't going to get better. There's no hope. This is not going to change. Oh, it can. I would tell you two things if that's you or you ever get to that point. One, your marriage is in trouble. Two, you may be in trouble. It may be you and God. Because I've always got to look at my wife. You need to look at your wife or husband. You get married someday or you have a wife and husband. You've got to look at them. With the power of God, there's always hope. Love has a beautiful optimism about it when it comes to people. And here's the next thing he says. Man, love hangs in there. People who are loving, they hang in there. They endure. They endure. Look in verse 7. 
It always perseveres. The word persevere means to remain under, to be patient, to endure. It's a masculine idea. It can certainly apply to women, but it's a toughness. When you love people, you're not a quitter. Again, is there times you have to move on or let somebody go? That happens, but our default position, the norm of us, is man, when we love people, we're in it for the long haul. We're in it for the long haul. Love endures. Love hangs in there. Folks, we live in a day where everything is at the click of a finger, isn't it? I mean, so much is. And, and so I think we, we probably default to that this marriage, this relationship, this whatever, it needs to be fixed right now. If it's not fixed right now, then it's not worth messing with. We're going to take the Lord's Supper together in just a moment. And, and you, everyone here is familiar. You've seen this picture by Leonardo da Vinci, The Last Supper. If you know the answer, don't answer out loud. But how long do you think it took him to paint that? A long time. Absolutely. Great answer. A weekend? Did he get to get, like to have like a challenge in Italy and they got all the youth together and they, hey, I'll do Judas, you know. And they Two weeks? Did he do it by, by numbers? Like Jesus was number one and Judas was like 13 or whatever. It took him 10 years, 10 years. Look, great things, great relationships, great relationships with people. Most of the time are not just quickly developed, but they're quickly dissolved by most of us. He says love endures. Love hangs in there. I tell people when I'm I'm getting ready to marry them, I say when you get to the end of the rope, with your husband or wife, tie a knot on the end of the rope and hang on to the knot. Love endures. The Atlantic Magazine last year, by the way, this is not a Christian magazine, February of 2021, they had an article about the type of love that brings happiness. Here's what most people think. If I just find the right man or the right woman, I will be happy. Unfortunately, some married people thinking, if I can just get rid of the wrong one and get the right one, I'll be happy. And romantic love is wonderful. It has its place. But here's what the study found, and this was not, this, this was not coming from a Christian perspective. Here's what they found, that the people who were happiest in relationships were not the ones who were just finding a new boyfriend or girlfriend or new husband or wife. It's the couples who'd been married for years. It was the happiness of 20, 30, 40 years together. It was that long-term love. They had built something that they couldn't necessarily explain, that enduring love. Your happiness and joy is going to be found when you love people and you hang in there with them. And you hang in there with them. G.K. Chesterton was a, a great Christian leader. And he said, love is not blind, love is bound. Let me explain that. There was old, you know, music and movies, love is blind. Love is not blind. When you love somebody, most of the time you know far more about them than anybody else does. Love is not blind, love is not dumb. But love is bound. When you love somebody, you hang in there with them. You stay the course, you endure. Man, what great qualities. And see, he sums up this chapter and he just tells us love is the greatest of qualities. You go, I want to be a great Christian. Is it being a great preacher? Nope. Being a great singer? Nope. 
What if you just can quote the Bible and show everybody up with your Bible knowledge? Not it at all. He says in verse 8, love never fails. A lot of other things fail, love doesn't. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Prophecies preaching. Let's say it's predicting the future. It's going it's to end someday. Where there are tongues, the gift of tongues, they're really lifting that up. They will be stilled. They will stop. Where there's knowledge, it will pass away. Verse 9, we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. I think that's talking about when Jesus comes or we go to meet Jesus. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put my childish ways behind me. Listen, church, here's what I think he was saying to the church at Corinth today, which applies to us. I think he was saying to them, you are immature. You think great preaching, great singing, all that's good. Speaking in tongues, great knowledge. You think that's the big, that's the big, what it's all about. He said, no, it's not. Those are great things. They play a part. But man, loving God and loving people is what it's about. That's maturity. That's maturity. He goes on in verse 12 and he says, now we see as a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we will see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. You know when you're going to be fully known is when you stand before Jesus Christ. I got a funny feeling. I believe this. When we stand before Jesus, everything's going to be made known. He uses an interesting illustration about a mirror. Most scholars say back in Jesus' day, and for a long time after that, mirrors weren't very good. It was, it was bronze that had just been polished. So you looked at a reflection of yourself, you couldn't see much. I don't know about you, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> they all look great, yeah. He said, right now, we don't see each other clearly. We don't see ourselves clearly. The closer you get to Christ, if you're honest, you'll see yourself better. But he said, someday you're going to see clearly. What's ultimately going to matter is how you love God and how you love people. And he ends this great chapter and he says, three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest is love. Leave that up there, guys, if you would. What does it mean by remain? Well, I think he's probably talking about until you go to heaven. I'm not sure he's talking about eternity because you see, when you get to heaven, your faith is realized. Did you know that? See, I don't have to trust anymore in Christ when I get to heaven I'm going to see him face to face isn't that wonderful my faith will be made made manifest I don't have to hold on to hope anymore when I get to heaven I'm living the dream I'm walking down the streets of gold eating bluebell that doesn't have calories playing with my dogs and listening looking at Jesus does it get any better than that he says the greatest of these is love you know, I don't know a lot of what we're going to do in heaven. I think it's so wonderful. The Bible doesn't tell us too much or we'd be too miserable down here. But I know this. I know this. You know what I'm going to do and you're going to do in heaven forever? I'm going to love on Jesus and love on people. That's eternity. Love on Jesus and love on people. But here's the catch. It's got to be fleshed out here. If I belong to Christ and you belong to Christ, that's got to be in our lives visibly today. It's got to. It's not optional. I don't know this man, but a guy named Arthur Simpson said, if Jesus is truly in you, it changes your life. It affects, listen, it affects every area of your life and how you treat people and whatever's in your life. He said, if you're a farmer, your cows should know 
you're a Christian. <laughs> I agree. So what about you and me? If people are measuring it by how you look down upon them because you're better, maybe you're great and well, do people look at you and me and see us as people of love? If not, there's a really good chance we don't belong to Christ. So what I want to challenge you, you're watching online, you stay with us, you're here, I want to challenge you to come and give your life to Christ in a moment. We'll help you at the altar, we'll help you after church. I'm going to help you in a moment. I'll, I'll lead you in a prayer to give your life to Christ today if you're ready to do that, just a moment. But listen, you need Christ if you've got a love crisis. Maybe you, you're interested in joining our church. You can do that online. We'll help you with that after church, or you can come and join now. Hey, here's what we need, what we're looking for. We're looking for people who love Jesus and love people. Man, if that fits your bill and what you're looking for, we're the church for you. Come join us today. We want you and we need you. You're a Christian. You know you're a Christian. You say, I know Jesus lives in me. How is your love for others? Only you can answer that, honestly. If it's great, keep it up. If you're struggling there, I want to challenge you where you're standing or at the altar to repent and ask God to live in you and live out of you, to love people as you should. Let's stand. As God leads you, you come. We'll be waiting on you. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light. His glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth bow your heads with me and as the instruments play Christian let's let's get real with God is this who we are and if, if not let's get it right today you're watching you're listening you're here you're not sure you're a Christian maybe you know you're not but you're ready pray with me now pray with me and just say Jesus I'm a sinner and I want to repent of my sins. Jesus, I accept your God's Son and that you died for me and arose for me. Come into my heart. And I surrender my life to you, Jesus. I surrender to you.